Hi, I'm Brooke. And this is Character Builder, the show where I build a random character and we find a way to put it into a game. And a quick disclaimer, I swear sometimes, so listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, sorry if I sound a smidge different. I'm a little congested and the mic's in a little bit different of area. I'm kind of trying something out. But this is the return to Character Builder, where I build a random character, either generated from D&D Beyond or a another method I haven't quite figured out yet. Oh no, peek behind the curtain. Honestly, I'm probably going to start building characters in other systems as well. The character I mentioned during the last episode of Character Builder, my wizard necromancer that, if anything, would be my main D&D character, is actually a Pathfinder character. So I will be building in different game settings as well. I also have Monster of the Week and a bunch of other things too. So I kind of want to mix it up and play some different things. So we're going to talk about building characters and different things. But this week it is going to be a fifth edition character. So something I hinted at last episode is this is going to be an antagonist character. So I was going to build them off of a sound clip. Actually, this thing comes from TikTok. I'm going to share the link in the show description. Please check them out. Also, hey, if you're listening, no copyright infringement is intended. I'm just trying to um, build a character based off of your quote. Okay, this clip comes from Alpha Motivation on TikTok. Like I said, I'm posting it into the show description. Here is the clip. If you want to be great, you want to be the baddest motherfucker ever at what you do, you could be misunderstood by everybody because you're going to be so fucking obsessed and so driven to get there. That's what it takes. That's the truth. It takes every second of your fucking life. Anybody says balance? Yeah, balance is important for a lot of fucking people. It is. But if you want to fucking go to that edge where people do not like you, don't understand you, question everything you fucking do, you, you've arrived. There's a reason I really like this quote. It's because it is relatable. But at the same time, it's also frightening to see that there are people out in the world that are willing to do this. And having an antagonist with this mindset is both frightening and probably a shit ton of fun in a game. Okay, because boss enemies are different than player characters, I'm gonna do a random character generator for this, and then I'm going to take that character, and then I'm going to then build it as an NPC encounter. Give him close to a monster stat block, versus a player stat block. Well, them. I'm not sure what I'm getting, to be honest. All right, the parameters for this one are, I'm doing a random character level 15. So that's like a pretty much end game style antagonist. And let's see what we got. All right, let's click view character sheet. And okay, so we got Ariel, the fallen Azamir fighter, level 15. Huh, it's a gunslinger. <laughs> that's kind of cool. All right, let's start with its base stats. So it's got 17 strength, 17 dex, 15 constitution, 15 intelligence, 16 wisdom, and a 20 charisma. Holy shit. Well, a lot of this is going to change. So I'm not gonna go over the eight hit points, AC, or the initiative. I might have to tweak the initiative. Okay, it's proficient in acrobatics, animal handling, and insight. The animal handling is kind of interesting. So I'm either going to have them have a mount or they're going to have to have an animal companion or both. Actually, why not both? Okay, I'm gonna go through its feats real quick. I'm not gonna go over everything. I kinda wanna go through its decision process on some of these abilities so I can kinda get an idea of what this character actually is. All right, so at third level, I got trick shots. So it picked dead eye shot. When you make a firearm attack against a creature, you can expend a grit point to gain advantage on the next attack roll. Piercing shot. 
When you make a firearm attack against a creature, you may expand a grit point to attempt to fire through multiple opponents. Initial attack gets a plus one to firearms misfire score. On a hit, the creature suffers normal damage and you make an attack roll with disadvantage against every creature in the line directly behind it within your first range increment. Only the initial attack can misfire. Sorry, I kind of just shortened it. <laughs> it was quite a bit of reading with that one. Forceful shot. When you make a firearm attack against a creature, you can spend a grip point to attempt to trip them and then force them back. When a hit, the creature suffers normal damage and must succeed on a strength saving throw or be pushed 15 feet away from you. That's cool. Disarming shot. You make a firearm attack against a creature. You may spend a grip point to attempt to shoot an object out of their hands. They must succeed a, saving, a strength saving throw or drop one held object of your choice. That's pretty rad too. Dazing shot. When you make a firearm attack against a creature, you may expand a grip point, attempt to dizzing your opponent. Oh, it gives them disadvantage. That's actually really cool. Okay, so it picked, actually picked some really good abilities with that one. Okay, so it selected ability score improvement at level four, both into intelligence. What? At level six, it put it did another ability and score improvement, one in intelligence and one into strength. Huh, and then it did it again at level eight. So strength and dex scores increased. Sorry, I'm just going through here because I wanted to see what it actually did. Yeah, it did it so it could get all of its stats all the way up to like the crazy levels it is. Okay, so it didn't actually take anything fun <laughs> for those things. Honestly, that's fine. This is going to be an NPC, so I'm actually going to break it down. And because it's an NPC, I can actually keep the stats kind of how they are. So what kind of setting am I putting this character in? Don't get me wrong. I'm actually going to put this into my game because this character sounds really fun as a, an antagonist. It fits kind of a bounty hunter type character that actually sounds really fun to have in your game. And it actually really works with the quote too, because somebody who is like a marksman, this character is probably a sniper and I'm leaning more towards a sniper and they would have to have this kind of mindset, especially if they wanted to be successful. Now let's build this character out. Since we're building this character as an antagonist, I'm not going to use it as a player character skin. Player characters are designed to kill. I'm not lying. They really are designed to kill. And they're actually designed to kill better than NPCs in a lot of these cases. Now, don't get me wrong. This thing is also going to be lethal, but just giving this thing some health and tossing it into a game is actually pretty dangerous. Also, it's just going to get rolled right away too. So if it doesn't kill the players, the players are going to kill it because creature stat blocks, as well as NPC stat blocks, are actually designed to take damage. They're designed to take multiple hits from a player character. That's why if you have like a PVP situation, usually a character will die really fast if they get like murdered by a barbarian or even a fighter because a fighter has a shit ton of attacks. This thing is a fighter. So this thing is going to have multiple attacks. Not to mention it should be able to somewhat defend itself when somebody comes close. All right, so I need to figure out what setting I want to stick this character in. And a quick dice roll in here and, huh, it looks like we're going into a cyberpunk type setting. That's interesting. I mean, I added cyberpunk to this list because I thought it'd be kind of cool to build a fantasy style world that was mixed with cyberpunk, but I didn't figure it would roll right away. Hey guys, I have a storm rolling through my area right now. 
which I didn't expect it to be as bad as it is right now, but it apparently is really windy and the lights have flickered already. So I'm going to go ahead and take a break. And when I come back tomorrow to record this or later tonight, if I sound a little bit different, that's because this is on a different day. And we're back and two days later and a crap ton of testing later. It turns out this lady ended up being a monster after I built her. When I was going through my testing phase with this character through different iterations, we're talking four different iterations of this character. She TPK'd my test groups, which were balanced, unbalanced, as well as hyper healing focused, hyper melee focused, like real life parties that you would run in normal games. She TPK'd them 12 times out of 15. Some of these were even after I removed an extra attack from her. The majority of these TPKs, she only had access to two attacks around, plus her grenades, as well as traps. About halfway through my testing, I figured out what the problem was. It was the weapon I chose to give her. However, I decided against taking it away from her because I actually thought of a story for her character and I really liked it. And not to mention it fit the character. And after the last TPK, once I did round 15 in my testing, I sat down and I decided against nerfing her anymore. And here's why. This character I intend to actually use in a game in the future. I like her so much after playing her as an antagonist, I want her in a future game. But I'll be honest, I'm actually a little bit scared to put this character in a campaign because she does kill very easily. We'll talk about her stats and her weapons and stuff after I talk about her story, because this is character builder. But I've decided that to offset a character like this, there needs to be information about the character throughout the game. This character is a bounty hunter style character, or was a bounty hunter style character. I'm not giving any spoilers, but enough information needs to be known about this character going into this fight. So let's talk about her. Ariel comes from a world that is far too hot during the day to actually do anything. Most of the civilization across the world actually come out at night. She lives in a city called the Three Rivers. The Three Rivers has a normal local government like anywhere else. However, it has five great gangs that run the streets. The local government would love to do something about it, but they don't have the power to. In Ariel's youth, she lived in a part of the town that was controlled by the Oni clan. The Oni clan had their fingers in just about everything, including the workforce, but not everybody was willing just to lay down and let them run everything. Ariel's father tried to work against the city council to try to bring workers' rights and minimize labor as well as bring up wages so people could actually have a future. But the Oni clan's leader didn't like this. Even tried to defend himself publicly and say, oh, I didn't do this, even though there was plenty of evidence to show otherwise. He didn't care for the smear campaign. So the Oni clan leader decided to send somebody to deal with the problem. It's number two. On Irel's seventh birthday, her father and her mother decided to spend time with her. They didn't have any money, so they stayed in and just spent time with their child. The enforcer kicked into the front door, and using his antimatter rifle, he gunned down her mother in cold blood, then quickly set his sights on the child. By the time he'd pulled the trigger, Irel's father had already stepped in the way and wrapped his arms around his child doing the best he could to defend her. Round pierced his chest and removed Ariel's left arm. She laid on the ground screaming, clump grabbing at where her arm once was, shot off at the shoulder. Second in command, pulling 
Muriel's father off of her body, reached his hand down to grab her wrist to put her up on her feet. With tears in her eyes, she asked if she was the next to die. The man answered no. I was only paid to kill two of you, and I did. In tears, she cried, well, now what am I supposed to do? The man turned his back to her and began walking out the door and shrugged and said, well, not my problem. She screamed, why can you be so cold? He chuckled and responded, because darling, there's only two things guaranteed in this life. And once you figured them out, you figured out the world. With Ariel's world shattered, it took a couple years to even figure out even how to remotely pick up the pieces. The house was repossessed. The only thing she kept from her father was the rifle that he kept under his bed. She didn't have two hands to use it though. If she had the credits, she could replace the arm with a cybernetic one with one of the street doctors. But 10 years old with not an ascent to her name, she needed to find work. Life was hard. And being reminded of the man who laughed in her face to try to teach her the two lessons in life stung even worse. She eventually got a job at a firing range where she would sweep up the ammo casings and eventually moved up to building guns herself, even though she only had the one hand. One day they were delivering a shipment of scrap to try to get extra money to buy new parts. She saw some Gen 1 military grade prosthetic limbs in a pile and she asked about them. The recycling center tried to steer her away from them. They're dangerous. They have a 90% rejection rate and they required a neural chip in the, installed into the brain to even operate. She pressed the recycles center as much as she could and eventually got the limb for free. Now 15 years old with a military grade prosthetic limb she went and found a street doctor. The bugbear street doctor that went by Phil with all the tattoos covering most of his body was intrigued. Phil had an old implant chip that he thought he could rework to make this work, but he said it's gonna take some time and together they worked. And eventually Phil got the chip to work and was able to install the prosthetic limb. The limb didn't take all the way, but Uriel didn't care. Just having access to two hands again meant the world to her. After her shifts, she spent time on the range with her father's rifle. And after she was done, she'd go find Phil to tweak the arm to try to fix some of the issues that were constantly happening. Years later, Ariel would have mastered the rifle, but it is a relic in today's standards. Eventually, she felt strong enough to actually go out and quest and find work and made great money as a marksman, enough that she was able to fix the prosthetic limb enough where it didn't have issues anymore and actually acted more like one of the new models. The rest of her money went to information. She began collecting information on Tatsunari, the gunman who killed her parents. He had gotten sloppy during times of peace and became predictable. She would get vengeance for her family, but she had to have a plan. She designed a grenade launcher attachment and added it to her rifle. She made friends with a rat folk in engineer and bought ranged traps that she could fire out of her rifle. She invested in tear gas, smoke bombs, napalm. She was ready. At least she thought she was. She had snuck in and installed her traps throughout the Oni clan's club and waited on her rooftop for her chance to strike. But Tatsunari never came into the club. He had broken his routine. She thought that was odd until the boot kicked across her face. She rolled to her feet, quickly catching the blade that was being driven at her face, using the rifle to stop the forward momentum. The knife was strained. It glowed green with a sickening black mist that came from the blade. He pressed his strength down on her, almost bringing her to her knees. She quickly charged forward, kneeing him in the crotch, knocking him back a couple steps. She fires her weapon. He used his equipment to dodge, but the shot still landed in his cheek, tearing out all the teeth in the back of his mouth. He lifted up his rifle, and she took the projectile straight to the chest, knocking her back 15 feet. She laid there, thinking this was the end. 
But then she realized the weapon didn't hurt as much as it should have. But he didn't know that. He walked over to her body. Oh, sweet child. You could have done a lot with your life. But you done fucking screwed it away. And for what? Vengeance? I never had any parents. Look at me. I damn near run this city. She feigned that the wind had been knocked out of her lungs and that she was close to death. But I learned the two rules. He kneeled down. Oh, sweet child. What'd you learn? There's only two things guaranteed in this life. She used her prosthetic limb to push up on the rifle up into his chest, and she pulled the trigger with the other hand. The explosion of gore that erupted from his back as the weapon had cut through was everywhere. She pulled the weapon from his quivering grip and quickly learned that this weapon fired necrotic rounds. He indeed got sloppy. He lay there dying, and she pointed the gun at him and said, I will call this death, and ended the second in command's life. She took all of his equipment. It was all damaged from the fight. Most of it, at least. It definitely didn't fit her. She tinkered and eventually got a jacket made from the remnants of his coat. She attached a grenade attachment to the rifle. The owner of the gun shop tried to stop her. Where are you going? You have your vengeance. This city's going to burn for what you did. She smirked. Well, I'm not done yet. As time went on, she took back the blocks that are surrounded the area, pushing the Oni clan back. She took back the zoo the Oni clan were torturing animals out of and found a great deep crow that had its wings removed. With the help of Phil, they were able to find replacements and the deep crow and the Azamar bonded. The armored wings would protect the bird, but their new bond would protect each other. Through a series of augments, they are able to fake a familiar's bond. They could talk to each other. They could see through each other's eyes, but through technology. All of it hurt. The tax to be paid was blood, but it was a tax she was willing to pay. With her new companion, Terror, they took flight to the Oni Clan's home base. A 140-floor skyscraper with the Oni Clan's face logoed on the side of it. She landed her great bird, and the bird took off to the sky. And she walked in through the front door. She went up to the receptionist and said that she needed to speak with the boss. That she had a debt that she needed to pay and wanted to do it in person. She was allowed entry, and she took the elevator up to the penthouse suite. The room was full of guards, with a short, chubby man that seemed to not blink, sitting at the end of a red carpet. This man didn't care about lives. This man didn't care about anything other than money. He wasn't even an Oni, but all of his henchmen were. This man held no power. No real power. Ariel had worked hard for the power that she had gained. All the commitments, the friendships. The pig-like man called out, where is my tribute? Pay me what I'm owed. She sneers. She calls out. You don't get it, do you? There's only two things guaranteed in this life. Death. And she removed the gun from her extra planar space and taxes. Firing the bolt of energy into his chest, instantly killing the man. And as the guards looked stunned, and my taxes are paid in blood. She threw the pathetic man on the floor and took her throne. And she looked at the guards. Now you can pay your taxes with your life or with coin, but either way, you're leaving here now. She took the tower for herself and established herself as the new baroness of this section of town. Well, that was fun. Sorry that um, I'm a little bit uh, quieter than I normally am. I had a long day. It's actually 9.50 p.m. on 2.22. And I'm actually going to stop here for right now. I will be back again day four and we'll talk about the character because honestly, I'm exhausted and I need to get up early tomorrow. So we'll be right back. And I'm back. And it is not the next day. <laughs> I'm actually wrapping this up on 2.26. It's been a weird week. So I'll finish this up by talking about the character stats and stuff. I'm going to go over this real quick. I'm going to talk about her build and everything else as well. This NPC is designed around level 15-ish 
CR is bullshit. A character that's homebrewed like this generally isn't going to have a hard CR. And a lot of times when you see things that are done this way that are homebrewed, they likely aren't exactly for that CR. They're either lower or they're much higher. So Ariel, her HP is on 140 and her AC is 20. Her stats are exactly the same from earlier in the episode. Her skills are acrobatics plus eight, animal handling plus eight, insight plus eight. Damage resistances, necrotic and radiant. Senses, dark vision, 60 feet. Passive perception, 22. She has multi-attack. She can either do two rifle shots or two knife attacks. She also has an additional action per turn where she can use her grenade launcher. Before I get into her weapon and her actual attacks, I'm gonna go over the legendary actions. She has legendary resistance three times per day. Legendary action one, requiring one legendary point. Fire grenade launcher. It's exactly what it sounds. She fires one of her many types of grenades she gets to choose at a distance of 150 feet. Legendary action two, two points. Press the initiative. This ability allows Ariel to take a different turn in the turn order. She can use this even if she's even gone already in the initiative order. Legendary action three, two points. To my side, Ariel calls her companion to defend her. All right, let's get down to some of the other stuff. She gets three grit points, which allows her to use her special shots. They all have a DC 16 of whichever skill challenges that it's using, whether it be constitution, strength, or dexterity. She gets dead eye, disarming, dazing, and forceful shot. Her grenade types are tear gas, smoke bomb, and napalm. The smoke bombs function as magical darkness for a limited time. Tear gas canisters require constitution checks. On a failed constitution check, they are knocked prone. The napalm grenades are alchemist fire, but their damage has been increased and the DC to remove the fire has also been increased. All right. So now it's time to talk about why this character was so difficult to balance. And honestly, it's because I decided to do something a little different with the weapon. The weapon is actually a vicious antimatter rifle with a grenade launcher attachment. And the reason why it was so difficult to balance is actually because the antimatter rifles fire straight necrotic damage. They don't do piercing, they just do necro, meaning this weapon was very dangerous. The vast majority of the 15 groups that I sent through this died because a lot of their closers couldn't take the constant necrotic damage. For instance, the barbarian even raging, usually they can take the physical damage, but the spells and stuff usually light them up. This gun was essentially a spellcaster, not to mention she had a ton of equipment to get away. And let's not forget her companion, which is a reskinned deep crow with increased ac the base deep crow can be found in acquisitions incorporated the two of them together along with her range she had outstanding range she could fire upwards of 350 feet at the targets and my original version of her actually had three gun attacks and the legendary action that was going to be shoot but i realized that, that was way too difficult for a level 15 encounter because she was essentially taking seven shots in a row literally killing every caster almost immediately because this rifle is doing 6d8 plus 3 not 68 just 6d8 plus 3 ne necrotic damage every shot and it definitely adds up now her dagger didn't actually do all that much damage it was a plus nine to hit and it did 3d6 
plus three necro damage as well because the dagger was also necro but that's not all she also had magical items she had basically a leather jacket that had plus two ac that was also a bag of holding she had thermal goggles that allowed her to see through walls and gave her advantage on perception checks except for when the sun was out she had grappling hook gloves with three charges and using an action would pull her weight up 120 feet she had a pair of boots that allowed her once per day to jump three times her jump distance and do fire damage on landing now i could have made this boss a lot easier by going with a more conventional weapon if i went with a more conventional weapon it would be very easy to balance this i decided to go this way because thematically it's kind of cool and for the setting it fit now the thing is when you design an encounter like this that i haven't actually run a cyberpunk fantasy game fantasy punk whatever we want to call it but if i intend to put this character in the game like for later on i definitely will balance more towards gearing up my party because let's be honest i could easily jump this sucker up to a cr20 like main villain by giving it another couple attacks and some more pets bump up the ac bump up the health because balancing isn't always on the character side you can also balance by giving your party a little bit better equipment too all right, friends, I just finished editing and this is a long one. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. It was interesting to talk about my process throughout building this antagonist. It was kind of weird because I had to stop a couple times during the week and it was also for the best because she was kind of a nightmare to balance. Now, I was planning on releasing this on the 28th, but I'm going to release it today and hopefully today I will have time to record either the whole episode for the world builder section or at least have it started and finish it up tomorrow and post it later monday and the next episode we're going to cover building the world that i built this character for because the more i think about it and the more i mess around with the ideas behind it the more i love it and the more i actually want to run a game in that setting well thanks for making it to the end i will catch you on the next one